The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Vince Lombardi was one of the most successful football coaches ever. As a coach, he never had a losing season. And he was someone who knew, who truly knew what it was like to be a winner. He once even said, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. And behind this quote is a timeless truth. No one likes to lose. No, everybody likes to win. It's the way the world works. History is written by the victors, not the losers. Winners are the ones who are remembered forever. And that's how you and I are, too. From a young age, no one had to teach us how to win. That part came pretty easily. But along the way, someone had to teach us how to lose, how to be a good sport. Because no one really likes to lose. Everybody likes to win. Jesus' disciples didn't like to lose either. But today, today they felt like winners. Jesus had just handpicked them for ministry. They had given up so, everything, left the them answer. all behind to follow him. I asked him. the hymnal project director about They had left their jobs, their livelihoods, their families behind to follow Jesus. Before, they were nobodies, just a couple of misfits, some fishermen, a tax collector, just ordinary people. But not anymore. Now they were winners. As they walked down the hill with Jesus that day, they quickly saw why. Before them was a massive crowd. There was people from all over the ancient world, people from the surrounding area of Judea, people from the busy streets of Jerusalem. People had even come from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They'd all come for one thing. People had come with aching hearts. They had come with diseases and impure spirits. They had come to, he to be healed by Jesus to hear wonderful things about God and his kingdom. That's why they had come. And the crowd was so large and so excited to see Jesus that they swarmed him, just hoping to get a healing touch from the healer. The disciples took in this scene in front of them, and they smiled. This was what being a winner looked like. Their future looked bright, the road ahead was promising. Now Jesus knows all things, and he knew what his disciples were thinking. And this was technically their first day on the job, and so Jesus wanted to set things straight. He wanted them to understand what his kingdom was really about. And so he looked at his new disciples, and he began to teach. And this is what he said. Blessed are you, who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how the ancestors treated the prophets. What? How did that make any sense? I can't imagine the look Jesus' disciples gave their teacher at this point. He had it all backwards. How could someone who is hungry or poor be blessed? That's not how things work. How could a loser be a winner? But Jesus wasn't done. He said, But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. More confusion. The disciples were even more confused now. In their day, if you were healthy and wealthy, surely that was a sign that God was on your side, that he was blessing you, right? So why did Jesus say the opposite? Why did the disciples need to hear this on their first day on the job? Jesus wasn't saying that the disciples were in the wrong for wanting to be blessed. He wasn't rebuking them for wanting to be winners. That wasn't the problem at all. No, the real problem was that his disciples didn't know what it meant to be blessed. You see, the world has its own definition for blessings. People who are blessed are successful. They're the clear winners in life. They can do anything they like. They don't have to beg for their food. They can pay their bills on time. They're clearly blessed. We see it in the world around us, too. Tonight at the Super Bowl, two teams will go head-to-head, but only one team will emerge as the winner. One team will be remembered forever, the other forgotten. So according to the world, it's clear who the winners are. It's clear who's really blessed. The world also has a definition for curses, too. Curses are when a tree falls on your house. Curses happen when you get a flat tire or when someone you love is sick. That's what the world considers curses. So why did Jesus say these things? Why did he say that being hungry, being poor, and being sad were all good things? How could what feels like a curse possibly be a blessing? These upside-down words of Jesus, surely they caused his new disciples some confusion. And maybe they felt a little robbed, too. Was this the road ahead of them? Was, did they leave everything behind just to suffer? Did they leave their, their friends, their family, their jobs just to be cursed? It seemed like that's what Jesus was saying. And the disciples had seen the crowds that had come to visit Jesus, how they adored him, they praised him, and maybe they thought they deserved some of that glory too. 
After all, shouldn't Jesus' disciples enjoy life? Do you ever feel that way too? Do you ever feel that as Jesus' disciple today, things should be easier than they are? Do you ever feel like as Jesus' disciples, we should have more wins than losses? I mean, think about it. Jesus has won the battle for us. He defeated death. He defeated the devil. He paid for my sins. And so I'm a winner. But why does it feel like I'm losing? Jesus' kingdom doesn't work the way the kingdom of the world works. And in fact, it operates on a level that we think is completely upside down. But when Jesus' definition of blessed is different from what you and I really want, maybe we're forgetting something. What if, even in the hard parts, Jesus wants what's best for me? What if he really has my best interests at heart, even when it feels like I'm cursed? Could it be that I'm the one who has the wrong perspective? You see, Jesus wanted to give his disciples something far better than earthly blessings. He told them, if you're sad, that's a good thing. If you find yourself hungry or lacking something, you're blessed. And if someone makes fun of you for being a Christian, you're fortunate. How could these upside-down statements be true? In Jesus' eyes, it's a good thing when life brings you to your knees because that's when you find out where your refuge is. It's when we aren't dependent on our checkbook or on our status in the world. When life has us backed into a corner, up against the wall, that's when we can turn to him alone. And it's in Jesus that we find our true worth, our true satisfaction. It's in him we find real joy and approval. It was okay for the disciples to want blessings. It's just that they weren't looking in the right place. When I was little and I would lose a toy, my mom would tell me, look where you think it is, but also look where you think it isn't. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. To see where we're truly blessed, he wants us to look at the things the world calls curses. He wants us to look at the ugliness of sin. He wants us to look at failing health or financial problems because that's where we see Jesus most clearly. That's where every other foundation is knocked away and we see where our refuge truly is. Those who look for treasure in this life will find it. You can surround yourself with good company and everything that life has to offer. And it's okay to have nice things. It's okay to enjoy life. But for those who put their treasure in this life, they're unprepared for the life ahead. And in fact, Jesus says, woe to these people, because they don't have a refuge. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he laid out two paths for them. One path is blessed, and the other is cursed. But those paths are not defined by outward circumstances, but simply on the destination they lead us to. 
One path is blessed and the other is cursed, but not because of the conditions along the journey, but because of the destination. And so what happens if you make Jesus your treasure? Suddenly, your perspective changes. Suddenly, you have the future promises of heaven and a right here, right now, hope on earth. It's a hope that's possible because of what Jesus did. He became cursed for us. He became a man who suffered, who was beaten, who was rejected and insulted. He became poor so that we could become rich. He became hungry so that we could enjoy life to the full. He became cursed so that we could be blessed. And now what is more upside down than that? Now why did the disciples need to know this? And why do you and I need Jesus' upside down perspective? It's because sin creates problems. From the day we're born until we draw our last breath, sin creates problems. It casts its curse on us each and every day and in a thousand different ways. And maybe there's something in your life that looks an awful lot like a curse right now. Maybe the road ahead is uncertain. Maybe you're in pain. And maybe you've prayed and prayed about it and you've done all the right things but it's still there. It, it just won't go away. But what does God say? God says, you are blessed. Your true worth and joy is not found in a pain-free life here on earth. That's a life much smaller than what God intends for you. What God has planned for you is much bigger than we can imagine because it's a life that is focused on his grace, a life that sees where your refuge is. God wants you to be able to take hunger, poverty, and sadness in stride, knowing that one day you won't lack anything. One day your tears will be replaced with laughter and your pain will become peace. One day your uncertainty will become sight. Now until that day, Sin is still sin, and bad things are still bad. But they are only setbacks in your journey, a journey whose destination has already been decided. And that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to know that day. He wanted them to see where they were truly blessed. It wasn't about being a winner in the eyes of the world. It was all about looking in the right place. And this is what Jesus' kingdom is all about. In Jesus' eyes, blessings are curses, and curses are blessings. And it may seem upside down to us, but know that nothing can take away your blessedness. And in fact, God looks at each one of you and says, you are blessed. And dear friends, his definition is the one that matters. Amen. Amen.